The views expressed on this program are solely those of the speaker and do not reflect the views and opinions of Centennial Securities. Be reminded that this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Happy Friday! Welcome to the Weekly Investment Podcast, where we discuss the week's must-know investment news and how it affects your money. I am your host, Walter. Another interview this week, but something a little different for you. For the first time, we are going to turn the mic around, and somebody's going to interview me. Normally, we start off with an introduction about the guest. Since that is me... I will instead give you a little background on our interviewer. For our first guest interviewer, I couldn't think of anybody more appropriate than my twin brother, Domenico Muzumeci. So if he sounds a little bit like me, that's why. Domenico does not have a background in podcasting, nor does he have a background in finance or investing. He grows grapes and makes natural wine in Western Michigan with his lovely wife, Elise. Let's crack right into the interview. Thank you for being on The Whip. Hey, Walter. Thanks for having me and thanks for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. This is where I will turn the microphone around and give it up to you. Thank you and happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Now that we have that out of the way, Walter, tell us, why finance? I didn't always start off interested in finance. When I first started as an undergrad at the University of Illinois, I was actually an accounting major. They had one of the top accounting programs in the country, and I always had an interest in accounting. In fact, did a brief internship in high school with a small accountancy firm in the town that I grew up in. Uh, But I remember clearly the moment that I wanted to switch to finance, and that was I was going into a final exam my sophomore year. This was an accountancy 300 course at the moment where accountant coursework starts to get a little bit more difficult. Like most college students, I had been preparing most of the week and quite a bit the night before. And I walked into the classroom five or ten minutes before the exam was to start, Every other student was in there sitting down with their pencil and graphing calculator and everything just so. I took a look around the room and saw all these budding accountants and thought, thank goodness that the world has these folks because, boy, does the world need dedicated accountants. But I realized at that point I wanted something a little bit more dynamic. And so uh, it was after my sophomore year that I officially changed majors to finance and never look back. It was the right move for me. Now, why I wanted to become a financial advisor is a totally different story. I'll never forget it. I was in Chicago trading for a living during the Great Recession. Big swings in the market, huge opportunities to make money if you were a trader. And so leaving the office that day, I should have felt great 
about myself professionally. But I didn't live in the city. I lived north of town. I had to take a train to get there. And I remember leaving the office and getting on a train and sharing the same train with the nurses, the teachers, the construction workers, everybody else in the world who was not micromanaging their risk on a daily basis. And they all had this 3,000 yard stare. They didn't know where their education savings plans were for their kids. They didn't know where their retirement was. There was a lot of fear and doubt on that train. And I knew at that moment that I needed to be managing money for others. Walter, where do you see yourself and your business in 10 years? So I love what I do. I love the individuals and the institutions that I serve. Clearly, the industry that I'm in, like many others, is changing. Uh, technology is changing the way that we connect with people. There are a lot more parts of society that are being automated. That is also true in uh, financial services and, and what it is that I do. Some things that will remain the same, in my opinion, that service is important and there's a certain quality of service that I think only a human can provide. There is an amount of planning that will become more critical to my practice and talking to investment advisors that have been in the industry 30, 40 years for most of their career, the investment piece was all they talked about with clients. And I have a lot of meaningful conversations about investments with my clients, but generally it's more around planning and how somebody reaches their retirement goals. So that planning component has become increasingly more important in my practice and I imagine it will become more important as time goes on. Uh, and there's also the experience. What kind of experience does somebody have working with uh, a financial advisor? You know, we're all different. We all have our strengths and can't be all things to all people. So do you provide the experience that your, your clientele is looking for? So making sure that those areas are being focused on. The world is changing. To give you another example of why I think a human will always be important, automation has been around in the investment world for a long time. My first job out of college was working for an individual who created one of the first trading algorithms or a computer program that would buy and sell stocks. And this individual became incredibly wealthy with the creation of that, that algorithm. They ended up selling it to Goldman Sachs for something like half a billion dollars. Um, and this was back in the 80s. And so technology and finance have commingled for a long time. I remember back when I was trading and I was fortunate enough to have the experience of being an equity options trader for a handful of years. And that period of my life happened to coincide with the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009. And those were unique times to be alive and certainly to be trading uh, stocks and options. And I'll never forget that those days, the market was moving a lot. Big ups, big downs, and a lot of movement throughout the days and the weeks. 
and movement was good for, for traders, a lot of opportunity to buy low and sell high. And when things really got crazy, it was clear that the algorithms couldn't catch up, that the pace of movement in the market was beyond the parameters of the, the algorithm. And so there was a distortion in where you could buy and where you could sell a stock. And the algorithms had a hard time figuring out where was the right entry point to buy or sell something. And that's when it became very, very important that there was a human that could step in and execute a trade. And I see something similar, hopefully, continuing in the future. And that is when there are times of extreme duress, when markets are very volatile, uh, that someone will still want to sit down and talk to a human and know that there's somebody with a pulse that's on the other end of the, the phone or the Zoom call or whatever it may be that uh, has a good handle on the risk that is being managed on the client's behalf and that they are being cared for and um, there's some thoughtful planning behind the, the future of, of that person's financial well-being. My hope is that uh, will continue to be the case. Who is one person you have never met but would like to talk to about finance? That's an excellent question. There are so many people that I would want to talk to. Just one is really hard to pick. A part of me wants to say Warren Buffett because he's the greatest investor of all time. Any little tidbit of knowledge you could glean from him, I think, would be worth its its weight in gold. I think that the Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell, the economist Keynes would be an interesting one. He had a very progressive way of looking at the financial world. I don't know if even he could imagine where the economy has evolved to now. So while at the time, a lot of his publications and thoughts were groundbreaking uh, and still continue to be a part of modern economic theory, just seeing how things have moved maybe more closely to what he had envisioned. And now that things have become closer in some ways to what he was uh, theorizing at the time, whereas his theory is coming close to reality, how his theories would change. So maybe that last one, just because we're talking about somebody who is so fundamental to modern economic theory. How does your professional background help to shape your perspective on life? So I've been fortunate enough to have a diverse and, and varied, but also complementary background. I mentioned the uh, work I did uh, right out of undergrad. That was as an investment analyst. So I had a background in research and analysis. From there, I worked as a equity options trader, so managing risk. And I mentioned doing that during the Great Recession and during the flash crash, so some very unique times in modern financial history. From there, I did some work as a consultant, helping people to reach their their business goals by helping out with some modeling and forecasting and planning and things like that. And then from there, worked uh, in the wealth management department of a super regional bank. So building portfolios for individuals and families and institutions. 
And so that combination of professional experiences has been helpful because I've seen a lot of different areas of the financial world. How that helps my outlook on life, I almost think that the two go hand in hand. Someone that is used to research very analytical and looking at the facts, sometimes that's helpful in life. The trading part and the assessment of risk. So there's an assessment of risk all the time, you know, whether you're crossing the street, driving your car, the values you're trying to instill in your children, what that risk-reward trade-off is and when it's worth it to go for that extra bit of risk is helpful in life far beyond what happens in in the investment world. And so that's, you know, certainly been helpful in, in you know, building a philosophy online. Being able to work with other people, you know, that was the rewarding part of the consulting piece. And that's something I value today. And life is about how you connect with others. And so, and helping people reach their goals is a big part of what I'm doing now. And so to have that piece professionally, it's helpful in just everyday conversation with people, trying to figure out what motivates them, what they're trying to achieve. And um, that can help even in the smallest of conversations. Kind of finally, you know, what I do now, my clients are wonderful people. A lot of them are close friends, and I'm very fortunate to have the network that I have. And some of those folks are a part of my network because of my professional experiences, having met them through work or met them through colleagues. But role I'm in now with Centennial Securities, the reason I'm here is because of a, a family friend. And so, you know, it all comes back full circle in that, you know, sure, the professional experiences feed the life outlook, but there's also life that helps support the professional experiences. I'm fortunate that I've had a very rewarding combination of both so far. When you sit down with a new client for the first time, what is one question that you have never been asked, but you wish that that client would ask you at that first meeting? <laughs> That's a great question. So I'm somebody that asks a lot of questions as part of their job. I'm not a mind reader. And so the only way that you can get an understanding of what somebody's thinking, what their goals are, is by asking a lot of questions. So generally, I'm the one asking questions. That's what makes this so weird is that you're asking me questions. There is a checklist of questions that I think are really critical when you are assessing the compatibility of a financial advisor with yourself. And of course, you know, they include, are you a fiduciary, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody has asked me that I like to ask people, and sometimes it, it throws people off guard because they're expecting a different question. What do you do for fun? Nobody's asked me that. It's clear what I do for a living. And look, I'm boring, so I would say like to exercise, I like to read, I, that's fun for me. You can learn a lot about somebody, about what they do for fun. Walter, thank you very much for your time today. Well, it's been a pleasure being on the whip. Thank you for interviewing me, Domenico. Hopefully you'll consider coming on in the future with the microphone turned around the other way. Looking forward to it. Big thank you to Domenico Muzumeci for being the interviewer for this week. 
You can get more information on that West Michigan wine project at kamuzu.com. That's C-A-M-U-S-U.com. Also, winepirati.com. W-I-N-E-P-I-R-A-T-I.com. Please join us next week when we'll have another interview for you. This time, I'll be asking the questions. Join us next Friday for that and much, much more. Thank you for listening, and please have a nice weekend when you get there. Talk to you next week.